No other book has so profoundly impacted so many lives as the Bible. Welcome to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. Hey Justin, you know that one of the greatest ministries we have, no one will see? Did you know that? Is that so? It's a true story. Today, as a matter of fact, we're going to see where Abraham practiced this ministry and saved his nephew. Shall we check it out? Let's check it out. Well, let's do it then. Join Justin and I as we listen to Pastor Daryl continue along in Genesis chapter 18, right here on Simply the Bible. Abraham and Sarah were visited by the Lord and two angels. They entertained them by preparing a delicious meal for them to eat. We pick it up in Genesis 18, verse 16. Then the men rose from there and looked toward Sodom, and Abraham went with them to send them on the way. As much as the three men enjoyed Abraham's hospitality, it became clear that they had another task on their agenda. Abraham walked with them, probably to the outskirt of his camp. The Lord was about to open his heart to his friend. Abraham is the only person in the Bible to be called God's friend. However, Jesus said to his disciples in John 15, 15, No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all things that I heard from my Father I have made known to you. Friends reveal their heart to each other, and God is no different. Verse 17, And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham what I am doing? Since Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. For I have known him in order that he may command his children and his household after him, that they may keep the way of the Lord to do righteousness and justice, that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has spoken to him. I consider these verses to be a golden nugget in the Old Testament because they give us four reasons why God chose Abraham of all people to be the father of the Hebrews and to bring forth the Messiah. First, God chose Abraham to make him a great and mighty nation so that all the nations of the earth would be blessed in him. God wanted to bring his son into the world and Abraham was the man through whom he would do it. Second, God chose Abraham to know him. Notice that the Lord did not say, Abraham has known me, but I have known him. Jesus said that on the day of judgment, many will say to him, Lord, Lord, but he will tell them plainly, depart from me, I never knew you. While it's important that we know the Lord, it's even more important that he knows us. God's third purpose for choosing Abraham was so that he would command his children and household after him. I don't think we can overestimate the power and influence that a godly man has over his household. The Lord was very specific about Abraham's leadership, that they keep the way of the Lord to do righteousness and justice. How is a man to be measured? The world looks at things like wealth and power, title, fame, physique, and good looks. But God highly values a man who will instruct his household after him 
to keep the way of the Lord, to do righteousness and justice. That is an inheritance that we can pass on to our children and grandchildren that is far greater than gold. You may feel that precious years have slipped through your fingers, but it is never too late to start. We begin with our godly example. God's fourth reason for choosing Abraham was that because he would be faithful, the Lord could do everything he promised. Many of God's promises are conditional. If we will do our part, then God will do his part. Because Abraham would do his part, then God would do his part. Because God could trust Abraham, he revealed to him his intention toward Sodom and Gomorrah. Verse 20. And the Lord said, Because the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and because their sin is very grave, I will go down now and see whether they have done altogether according to the outcry against it that has come to me. And if not, I will know. We wonder where the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah was coming from. Was it like the blood of Abel that cried out from the ground? Was it the angelic watchers that reported to the Lord the extreme wickedness of these cities? God knew that their sin was very grave, but he wanted to come down and see for himself. God is slow to anger and even slower to bring about judgment. He waits until people have ignored his goodness and his warnings and refuse to repent. Then he carefully investigates the particulars himself before opening the floodgates of his wrath. The wickedness of Sodom and Gomorrah had reached heaven, and now the Lord shared this terrible burden with his friend Abraham. Verse 22, Then the men turned away from there and went toward Sodom, but Abraham still stood before the Lord. And Abraham came near and said, Would you also destroy the righteous with the wicked? The two angels left for Sodom, and we will catch up with them in the next chapter. Abraham could have turned away at this point and gone back to his tent, but instead he drew near to the Lord. No doubt he was greatly troubled for the sake of his nephew Lot and his family who were living in Sodom. But his concern went even deeper than that. Not only was Abraham a man of faith, obedience, and hospitality, but he was also a man of intercession. Those who would intercede for others must first draw near to the Lord. Now, it is interesting that the basis of Abraham's appeal to God was not according to his mercy, but according to his justice. He said, Would you also destroy the righteous with the wicked? The idea is that a just God would not destroy the innocent along with the guilty. Verse 24. Suppose there were 50 righteous within the city, Abraham said. Would you also destroy the place and not spare it for the 50 righteous that were in it? Far be it from you to do such a thing as this, to slay the righteous with the wicked, so that the righteous should be as the wicked. Far be it from you, shall not the judge of all the earth do right? So the Lord said, If I find in Sodom 50 righteous within the city, then I will spare all the place for their sakes. Now Abraham begins negotiating with the Lord. 
I would imagine that owning the vast amount of livestock that Abraham owned, he probably was a very good negotiator. And part of the art of negotiating is finding the boundaries. If you are a buyer, you want to discover how low the seller will go. If you are a seller, you want to discover how much the buyer is willing to pay. Abraham approached the Lord with a bold humility in the transaction. He was willing to confidently test the boundaries, but he did this with humility and respect. In this first offer to the Lord, Abraham affirms the righteousness of the Lord in not slaying the righteous with the wicked, and the Lord agrees that he wouldn't. Verse 27, Then Abraham answered and said, Indeed now I who am but dust and ashes have taken it upon myself to speak to the Lord. Suppose there were five less than fifty righteous. Would you destroy all the city for the lack of five? So he said, If I find there forty-five, I will not destroy it. In the second offer, Abraham reduces the number of righteous by five. And he spoke to him yet again and said, Suppose there should be forty found there. So he said, I will not do it for the sake of forty. He is looking for the Lord's bottom line. Verse 30. Then he said, Well, let not the Lord be angry, and I will speak. Suppose thirty shall be found there. And he said, I will not do it if I find thirty there. Now Abraham thinks that to keep lowering the offer might test the Lord's patience. So he says, Let not the Lord be angry, and I will speak. And he lowers the number to thirty. Verse 31, and he said, Indeed, now I have taken it upon myself to speak to the Lord. Suppose 20 should be found there. So he said, I will not destroy it for the sake of 20. Abraham still hasn't received a no from the Lord. And he still doesn't know just how low the Lord is willing to go. Then he said, Let not the Lord be angry, and I will speak but once more. Suppose ten should be found there. And he said, I will not destroy it for the sake of ten. This was Abraham's sixth and final offer. He had to end it there because he said he would speak but once more. Good negotiating. He got the Lord down from fifty to ten. But he quit at ten. He knew that Lot had a family of four. And he probably figured that because of Lot's influence, there would be at least six more righteous in Sodom. So the Lord went his way as soon as he had finished speaking with Abraham, and Abraham returned to his place. The negotiation being completed, the Lord went his way, and Abraham returned to his tent. But we cannot help but wonder, what would have happened if Abraham didn't quit there? What if he had asked the Lord about four righteous? Perhaps the Lord never would have destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. Abraham had specifically and effectively interceded before the Lord on behalf of Lot and his family. But he went further than that because he could have asked God simply to deliver them safely from Sodom. Instead, Abraham's heart was full of sorrow and compassion, even for the wicked of Sodom and Gomorrah. He shared the heart of God, who is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance, and who takes no pleasure 
in the death of the wicked, but that they should turn and live. Abraham made every effort to save the lost, and in so doing became like our Lord. Since God did not find ten righteous and Sodom and Gomorrah were ultimately destroyed, there is a sense that Abraham's intercession was fruitless. But God was doing a deeper work in Abraham and forming within him the heart of an intercessor. Do you know that God is still looking for intercessors? The Lord said through his prophet Ezekiel, The people of the land have used oppressions, committed robbery, and mistreated the poor and needy, and they wrongfully oppressed the stranger. So I sought for a man among them who would make a wall and stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land, that I should not destroy it, but I found no one. Those who would answer the call and stand in the gap by interceding for others must be persistent. Abraham never said, eh, Kesara Sarah, what will be will be. Rather, he intensely pressed into the Lord, believing that the eternal destiny of two cities depended upon his prayer. If we will give ourselves to this kind of intercession, then we will share in the ministry of our Lord, who always lives to make intercession for us. You've been listening to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. They meet Sunday mornings at 1030 at Pepper Ridge Elementary School in Boise. If you'd like to listen to any of Pastor Daryl's teachings or to find out more about the church, go by their website at calvarytv.org. That's calvarytv.org. You'll also find an email address and feel free to drop us a line, tell us what you think or any questions you might have. We love hearing from our listeners. You know, when the culture around us goes corrupt, what are the righteous to do? Well, we're going to consider that question next time, right here on Simply the Bible.